John Bell was tired. He was 70 years old after all. And while that doesn't seem overly aged to our modern ears, the year was 1820. And even with a relatively successful life, farming was still really hard. But it wasn't so much the toils of working the land that had John down. Some years before, he had moved his family from North Carolina to a farm in Adams County, Tennessee. One day while walking the property, he saw in the distance a strange looking animal he couldn't identify. It was large and he couldn't take the chance of it preying on his livestock. It being the early 19th century and John being a, a rural farmer, he of course had his firearm. John raised the barrel and squeezed the trigger. He hit his mark, but the animal seemed little phased, raising its head to peer at its attacker. The creature then turned and bound off beyond the tree line. John thought little more of it. That was until a series of strange events began happening around the Bell Farm. Small things at first, but like any good poltergeist, things gradually escalated until the activity manifested a disembodied voice and, on at least one occasion, an apparent physical form. We're talking, of course, about the infamous Bell Witch. If you're not familiar, just Google it or search your podcast directory. It's one of the earliest cases of haunting poltergeist activity chronicled in America and a foundation of American paranormal folklore. After years of torment to the family and an occasional inexplicable act of helpfulness, John Bell died in bed that night that old Kate, that's the name the spirit gave to herself, declared John wouldn't survive until morning. The family found a mysterious medicine bottle on his nightstand containing an unknown liquid. A liquid which, when administered to one of the, the family's cats, resulted shortly in the expiration of the unlucky feline, poor kitty. Like I said, the tale of the bell witch is ubiquitous in American folklore. Andrew Jackson even makes a probably less than true appearance in the tale. The story is first written down by John Bell's great-grandson in 1934. Reportedly, a, a pact had been made within the family that that the story would not be publicly told until the last member of the Bell family who had, who had a first-hand role in the incidents had passed away. We're not going to uh, go into detail here on the story of the Bell Witch, at least not on the main story most commonly explored. Rather, we're going to wander from Adams County, Tennessee, south to the neighboring state of Mississippi, where a lesser-known connection to the Bell Witch exists, along with a few other witchy wanderers. 
I'm Cole Furlow, and you're listening to Strange Wonders. Yalabusha is a mostly rural county located in North Mississippi, close to Oxford, home of the University of Mississippi, better known as Ole Miss. The small town of Water Valley has played a host to a revival in recent years with a a redeveloped and thriving downtown area, including a a coding academy, technology and incubator and boutique hotel. Curiously, Yalabusha has two county seats, Water Valley being one in the town of Coffeyville, named for the U.S. General John Coffey being the other. The county is suited adjacent to Grenada Lake, one of the top inland fishing destinations in the United States, and home to the country's largest professional crappie tournament. Yalabusha County was incorporated in 1833, and notable one-time residents included President James K. Polk, and the famed railroad conductor, Casey Jones. Yes, folks, he was a real person. Lesser known as a woman who immigrated to Yalabusha County from Tennessee in 1873, Elizabeth Betsy Bell was a daughter of John Bell Sr. Yes, that's John Bell. and had been a major focus of old Kate's ire all those years ago. It seemed that the witch didn't take kindly to Betsy's engagement to a local boy and promised to torment her until the planned wedding was called off. Betsy finally relented and broke off her engagement. Eventually marrying an older man who became a successful politician in Tennessee, Kate's focus seemingly moved on from Betsy at this time. But tragedy did not. Four of her children died young, and her husband suffered a stroke that left him an invalid for 11 years until his eventual death. Were these events due to simple bad luck, the Bell Witch, or a little of both? We'll never know. But Betsy eventually left her tragedies in Tennessee and moved to Yalabusha, in Mississippi, where two of her surviving children lived. Although not as well documented, there are a few stories of the supernatural that seem to follow the Bell family across state lines. An extended member of the Bell family once owned Linden Hill, a house in nearby Holly Springs. It is reputed to be one of the most haunted houses in the state, with one occupant actually being driven insane to the point being hospitalized in the state's mental institution. Another haunted folktale in Yalabusha County is attributed to the Bell Witch who fixated on a young girl named Mary, apparently desiring to marry her. Seems the Bell Witch not only crossed state lines, but also genders. As the entity was now apparently a male, we're not judging. In this story, the entity was said to be the spirit of an overseer that John Bell had murdered in North Carolina before fleeing punishment and taking up residence in Adams County, Tennessee. 
Regardless of the validity of the embellishments of the Bell Witch story, Elizabeth Betsy Bell, a central player in the story, died in Yalabusha County in 1888. Her gravestone can be found in Long Branch Cemetery, just outside of Water Valley. The Holly Springs-Oxford Water Valley area of Mississippi is a fantastic place to visit with tons of cultural attractions, local restaurants, bars, and unique shops. Be sure to spend some time on the square in downtown Oxford, and you really have to see it to kind of understand it. And stop in Square Books, one of the, the most well-known independent bookstores in the state. And if you, if you want, you can always deviate off the beaten path to the quaint cemetery and give your respects to uh, Betsy Bell. Just don't harass any strange-looking animals that you might happen to run across. Trust me, you don't want that smoke. Old Kate isn't the only witchy entity to wander the grounds of Mississippi. Not far from Betsy Bell's resting place is Tupelo, Mississippi. You probably know Tupelo best as the birthplace of royalty. I'm speaking, of course, of Elvis Presley the king of rock and roll. Tupelo also boasts the claim of being the very first town to receive electricity from the Tennessee Valley Authority back in 1934. Known as the TVA, not related to the Time Variant Authority from the Marvel series Loki. The power generation entity was a major component of the New Deal program, providing thousands of jobs for out-of-work people during the Great Depression. To this day, at the intersection of two Tupelo's busiest streets, known locally as Crosstown, there's a vintage sign commemorating Tupelo's first TVA city. Tupelo, Mississippi is the birthplace of an inspirational attraction like the Elvis Presley birthplace and the headquarters of one of the most visited national parks in the country. While these one-of-a-kind attractions bring visitors from all over the world to the city where anything is possible, Tupelo offers unique dining and live music experiences in three distinct shopping districts that keep visitors coming back. Start planning your weekend getaway to Tupelo today with a visit to Tupelo.net and imagine what you can do here. Running through Tupelo is the Natchez Trace Parkway, a two-lane scenic road stretching 444 miles between Nashville, Tennessee, and Natchez, Mississippi. The Natchez Trace, actually a, a national park, is featured prominently in a couple of our previous episodes of Strange Wonders, with the promise of more to come. Well, here you go. Jump on the Natchez Trace in Tupelo and head just a few miles south, and you'll come across a marker emblazoned with the title, Witch Dance. Yeah, I know it sounds uber cool. I'm totally pulling the car over to investigate, right? Native American lore says that the area was settled by the Hopewell tribe, who were fleeing oppression by more powerful tribes in Mexico. An omen directed them to settle this new area just off of what would become the Natchez Trace. But the Hopewell reputedly brought more than just supplies with them. Apparently, so the story goes, they carried the bones of their ancestors as they fled Mexico and when they reached their new homeland, built large earthen mounds, which they could inter the remains. Many of these mounds can still be seen along the Natchez Trace today. Fast forward a few hundred years as white settlers began to move into the area. Maybe it was the bones of all those Hopewell ancestors, or maybe it was simply the area's remote location, or 
Or maybe there was some mystical tractor beam to the area such as what had drawn the Hopewell in the first place. But rumors began to circulate that the region was the site of witches' sabbaths. According to legend, witches would gather at that place and engage in satanical, ritualistic dances. And it was said that wherever the witches danced, no grass would grow on that spot of ground. And before dismissing this as an overblown fairy tale, I note that seemingly inexplicable bare spots of ground in this area have perplexed travelers for hundreds of years. Even Andrew Jackson, who frequently traveled the Natchez Trace, found the phenomenon intriguing enough to make a note of it in one of his journals. Today, a bicycle-only campground Today, a bicycle-only campground exists at the location of Witch Dance. If you're into cycling, you should definitely check out the Natchez Trace, as it's one of the top cycling destinations in the eastern United States. Just make sure to avoid those bare spots as, as if they were pothole. If you pass the Witch's Dance, headed south and you're still feeling a bit witchy, hop off the trace just north of Mississippi's capital of Jackson and head west. You'll run right into Yazoo City, like so many of other places in Mississippi, the town is named for a Native American tribe, the Yazoo, who once occupied this very area. They also gave the name to the Yazoo River on whose shores the town is built. Some notable names who hailed from Yazoo City include Haley Barber, former Mississippi governor and prominent nas- national politician, the country comedian Jerry Clower and author Willie Morris, probably best known for his book My Dog Skip that was adapted into a movie a few years ago. Morris, a a great storyteller, is also credited with popularizing the local legend of the Witch of Yazoo. The witch, so the story goes, was an old woman who lived along the banks of the Yazoo River in the late 1800s. She wasn't the friendliest of hags. Apparently, she was known to lure fishermen off the river and then torture them. No word as to what she used as bait. See what I did there? When the the local sheriff got wind of her shenanigans, he set off to arrest the woman who took flight across the swamps and marshes surrounding the river. But she didn't get too far. When the sheriff finally caught up with her, he found her half-submerged in quicksand. As she sank to the death, she supposedly shouted a curse on Yezu City and her residents. She vowed to return in 20 years and destroy the town in flames. Fast forward, you guessed it, 20 years and the Great Fire of 1904 breaks out on May 25th. The massive blaze fed by high winds destroyed a total of 324 buildings, 200 homes, and virtually every business in the city. In the aftermath of the devastation, survivors began to ponder the curious nature of the fire. A source has not been absolutely identified to this day, and what's more curious was the unnaturally high winds. That time of year in Yazoo City is not typically windy, and a study of meteorological records from that time revealed that the weather in other nearby areas was rather passive on that day. And if it's not enough to convince you of a witch's curse, consider the scene that greeted Yazoo's residents who ventured into the Glenwood Cemetery. You see all those years before when she was placed in the ground, A large iron chain was placed around her headstone, symbolically bounding her to the grave. Yet when people wandered into the cemetery right after the fire, on witch's grave there lay the chain, broken in two. Glenwood is a public cemetery in Yezu City, 
that you can visit today. And although a certain tombstone surrounded by a very graveyard-appropriate wrought iron fence bears no name, it is easily identifiable by the heavy chain around it. You can schedule a tour and see the chains for yourself. Local lore says that if the chains are broken or removed, it will free the witch to once again wreak havoc on the town. The sextons tending the, the graveyard make a point to ensure the chains are secure every day and repaired or replaced if needed. After all, no one wants a repeat of 1904. Mississippi is a great destination to wander through. The state is known as the birthplace of America's music and being the birthplace of both the blues and the king of rock and roll, who can argue? Mississippi is chock full of great locations for outdoor activities like fishing, cycling, hiking, and kayaking. And its arts and culture scene is second to none. So get out and wander Mississippi. But in your wanders, just be sure and be careful what you witch for. This episode of Strange Wanders was written and researched by Tim Mask and Cole Furlow. Sound design, editing, and narration by Cole Furlow. Strange Wanders is a production of MWB Studios and is sponsored by Visit Mississippi. Please follow, rate, and review Strange Wanders on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please follow the show at Strange Wanders on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at mwbstudios at mwb.com. And please visit our sponsor at visitmississippi.org. This wouldn't be possible without them. As always, thanks for listening. Podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.